0: for them. James chapter 4, verse 4, if you don't mind. I promise we are going to be very brief today. My voice is fading. Uh, My parents' birthdays are this coming week. Can we celebrate uh, Mama Debbie and and Dad Ken? Uh, Big happy birthday shout out to them. I know they usually catch us on the replay. um, So I know they'll hear that birthday wish. James chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. When you have it, say amen. I don't want to leave you today. Amen. Nobody got it? Praise the Lord. Okay. Your app is slow. Did you not update your phone? It must be the Android users. (laughs) James, when you have it, say amen. So I I can read. Praise the Lord. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? Uh, They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We started last week saying that we would be discussing prayerlessness, worldliness, and deliverance. We got prayerlessness done today we will continue and finish the conversation. Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness and your mercy toward us, for your word that you've given us. For at the entrance of your word, there comes light. God, uh, Thank you for revelation, knowledge. Thank you for the wisdom that is in your word. Thank you for your word uh, is, is changing us. Your word is quick and it's alive and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Hallelujah. We thank you that your word is living. And it's living on the inside of us, changing us into who you called us to be. Your word says that at any time we see the word, hear the word, and understand the word, Father, that we can be changed by that word. So we received change this morning. Our prayer and our confession is change us. Change us into your glory, into your presence, as the song says. Father, we just want to be like you. Change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for your ministry, sir. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go. I'll just have a few minutes. Um, we, we talked just a little bit last week about prayerlessness and uh, we, we talked about the wars among us. Remember that coming from the wars within us. Uh, we, we, we talked about our problem of being prayerless or praying amiss. So either we're not praying or we're praying with, with wrong motives. So today, just a few minutes, um, in our text today, James warns us that being a friend of the world makes us an enemy of God. Amen? Um, this, this is strong language because he prefaces this with saying that people in this position are adulterers and adulteresses, cheaters. They're unfaithful people is what he says. In, in the King James Version, uh, he, he says this in verse 5. He says, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Okay, so, so James here, as he continues his letter to the church, he says, watch this, he says, you're an adulterer and an adulteress if you want to be a friend to the world. He says, no. You, you got to be devoted to me. James says God's position is I want your complete commitment and your devotion to me, not to the world, or, or not even split between me and the world. Um, he says the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. While God's Holy Spirit dwelling in the believer desires to make us completely devoted to God and God alone, uh, and it wants to have all of who we are, not a partial commitment, not a partial commitment, and, and this is not the first time if you're a Bible reader that you've heard this kind of language before, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise to you if you have any level of Sunday school, unless you are completely unchurched. Uh, But if you are not, uh, you've heard things before. You've heard in Exodus 34, 14, where it says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, (laughs) is a jealous God. You you should have heard that before. Or maybe over in Exodus 20 and 5, it says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Okay, God says, if I'm jealous, and if you hate me, then, then, then I'm going to let the iniquity that is in you run through your children and your children's children because you have set yourself against me. Okay, so God is a God. He's a jealous God. That demands and desires our devotion to him. Now watch this. Not because he is narcissistic. Is that the word narcissistic? Is that the word? Is that the word? Okay. Uh, And selfish. No, God is not jealous out of narcissism or selfishness, it, it, God is jealous in a different way. It's very a, a, a peculiar way that may seem hard for you to understand because you are flesh and, and he is God and you are human and he is not. And, and so God, God is not jealous because he is selfish, self-centered, uh, narcissistic. No, he is jealous because he is loving and merciful and he realizes that that your devotion being split between him and anything else hurts you more than it hurts him. Oh, God, okay. Uh, God asks us to be humbly submitted to him because he knows what is best for us. and, And he desires that we experience the real best life now not your best life now, as some people would encourage you to live. No, no, no. God wants you to live his best life for you now, not what you concoct and you come up with and not what some other religion or belief system has convinced you is good for you. No, God is jealous because he knows what is best for us, and that's all he really wants. us. So when it's in his jealousy, his love and his mercy for us that he warns us to not be a friend with the world. He says it right here. Don't be a friend. Okay, you're welcome, Michael. Don't be a friend uh, with the world. Uh, He says his mercy for us, right? James 4, 4 through 8. You adulterers, don't you realize, this is new living, that friendship with the world makes you my enemy. He says, I'm going to say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Or watch this. In 1 John, the Holy Spirit says it this way. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Put that in your notes. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Because you should go back and search these scriptures for yourself. He says it here. He says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers, Jason. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God, that person will live forever. He says here in First John, it's it's teaching us something. It goes a little deeper than with James. With James, just said if you're if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. John goes a little deeper, and he begins to peel back uh, some layers and expose some things for us. And he says here, he says you don't want to love the world because everything that the world offers you is surface. It lacks true value. It lacks true substance. It's all going to fade away. And a lot of times we find ourselves fully invested in things that lack real value. Oh, y'all understand the stock market. See, everybody's a Robin Hood expert. And you understand stocks in the natural, but you don't understand kingdom investment. You don't understand kingdom investment. And so, and so here, here, here the, the teachers of the Bible and the Holy Spirit through them are trying to get us to understand something that a commitment to the world or watch this, worldliness worldliness if you grew up in church you understand that word, if you heard that word before, uh, some of us have grew up in the old church, Howard and, and, and the Hewitts and, and my wife and I, I don't know, and Joanna, we grew up, in, uh, and mother and mother here, we we grew up in, in some church church and, and, and they used to say, stop being so worldly. Huh? Huh? And back then you didn't really get it because you didn't really have no biblical understanding. It was just church words to you. You're too worldly, that's your problem. And you come in and you be singing songs, that's a worldly song. You come in wearing something too short. She's, she's so worldly. Look at her. You'd be lucky they call you worldly and then call you Jezebel. God help her. We, <laughs> but, but worldly, worldly is something we, we were used to hearing. And and here today we're exploring this and all this talk of the world. You got to ask yourself, what is the world? Is God asking us to not love earth? Huh? Don't love the ground you walk on. Is is this no, no, no? This this word world is cosmos. Okay, that, that's the Greek word cosmos. The ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men, alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. That's one of the key definitions. It's 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 it's, it's, it's um uh what, what do you say um it's the Joneses. Okay, it's the in crowd. Huh? It's the crowd. It's 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 it's, it's the Joneses. It's um uh 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 uh, uh it, it's worldly affairs, the aggregate of things earthly. Watch this, the whole circle is what the, the definition says. Of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which, although hollow and frail, pay attention, which are hollow and frail and fleeting, but they still stir desire, seduce you from God, and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. Worldliness is a growth inhibitor. I don't want to stop. Let me help you understand. The world, the world, the world refers to the system of this fallen world that we live in. Uh, The values and the mindsets and the philosophies of life and its priorities. Are you understanding what the world is now? Uh, Because I keep explaining. The The world, watch it. The world says that success can only be obtained if you turn from God and embrace this dog-eat-dog way of living. That's the world system. That, this is what God is telling you. Don't be a friend of that system. Don't be a friend of that way of thinking. Oh, the world says no to Jesus and what he teaches, and and yes to what it lifts up as the true prizes in life. I, I, I love, whenever I talk about this kind of stuff, I, I come from the hip-hop generation, you understand? And so so the locks, they really explained very succinctly what the world said. The world system, it said money, power, respect. is the key to life. Money, power, respect. It's what you need in life. That's what the locks They tried to teach y'all something. It was the wrong thing, but but they still tried to they try to teach you something. They were trying to expose something to you then, which is not the right way to live. It's not about money, power, and respect because Jesus said, What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? The world wants you to try to gain what it says is good but it places no real value on your soul. Mark 8 and 36 is that scripture. In in the Passion Translation, it says, For what use is it to gain all the wealth and power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life? What, What good is it? Paul said it this way. He said, You should not be conformed to this world, but instead you should be transformed by what? The renewing of your what? Your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of who? God. Jesus again says it this way. He said, Why well, love something that hates you? What do you mean he said? it In John 15 and 19, he says the world would would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so the what? So the world hates you. Here God is in James saying don't be a friend to what hates you. You understand now better? It's the jealousy. It's not a jealousy for him. It's a jealousy for you. Which is why he then gives you the Holy Spirit and says the very Holy Spirit that comes to dwell in you, it is in you yearning jealously. This is why Paul often says there's a war going on on the inside of us, flesh versus spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is in you trying to help you be completely committed. Fully committed. I Saul these to say fully committed to you. Fully committed. Me like, yeah, I ain't never listened to those. Y'all was worldly. <laughs> oh, is that the gospel song? Oh, praise the Lord, it was a gospel song. Y'all wasn't as worldly as I thought you was. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's just me. Amen. It was. <laughs> so, 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 now, 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 now watch this. God says that while his Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to agape, it says don't love the world it's saying agape now we understand here that there are different words for love in the bible right there's phileo love which is friendly love there's eros love which is a erotic or sexual type love. There's there's uh store-gay love, which is like a family love, and then there's also agape love. And agape is the God kind of love. It's this unconditional, relentless love. It's the love of the mother for the child, the father for the for the child, the, the husband for the wife. It's, it's what God meant when he told us to love one another. It's a love that comes without um without any 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 provocation. I love you whether you do right by me or not. This is the God kind of love. And God is saying, don't love the world in in an unconditional way because if you do, it will take advantage of you. It will crush you. It will shipwreck you because it means you no good. So don't give the world that kind of love. He says, God gave you the capacity to have a God they love for many people. You can love many people with God's kind of love but what you can't do is love him and the world at the same time. That should make you tremble. He says, You must choose. You must choose. And, And see, today we are talking about worldliness and deliverance. I had a conversation with Ronnie earlier uh, in, in my office. I was talking. I had a call last night from a, a, from a person who asked me to pray for deliverance for their child who was dealing with a psychological issue and, and she was in the hospital and, and she was having uh, seizures that were not real seizures. The doctor said, it's not epileptic. There's nothing wrong with her. This is all psychological. And they said, oh, pastor, pray for deliverance. And I began to talk to them about the fact that I don't mind praying for deliverance, but deliverance ain't a moment of prayer I'm getting ahead of myself let me I'll come back to that Uh, you got to choose God says he says you can't love me and the world the same way you got to choose and and herein lies the issue that most of us face where deliverance is concerned choice is the issue what do you mean pastor you you want to have your cake and eat it too that's that's what I mean Uh, watch this you want to love God in here on a Sunday morning but want to love the world out there Monday through Saturday? That's, that's, just, that's what most of us are struggling with. Oh, uh, you, you watch this, uh, uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, well, you want to serve God in here, but then you want to serve yourself out there. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. That's not the way God set it up. Watch this, you want to run to the altar in here. But you want to run to the streets out there. Oh, you for the streets. Okay. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. This is not the way. These are prideful attitudes. And these attitudes, they say God's demand of complete devotion is unreasonable and that you know a better way. Then, when your life is in a shambles and it's shipwrecked, then we blame God or the church or our parents, or past traumas, or anything else we can think of except ourselves because we we don't want to take responsibility for our lives. Then we demand and we proclaim grace from God. It does not work that way. James shows us that, that, that this is an irrational way of living and thinking. It's counterproductive. It opposes the way God works. Right here, James 4 and 6. Right here in the text for the day, James shows us how God likes to work. He says in verse 6, and he gives grace generously. Who is he? God. How does he give grace? Generously. As the scriptures say, how does he give grace? Generously. But how does he give it? It says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. Ah, this is the this is the crux of it all. Uh, this is this is it. We're about to go home. Uh, so then, to the one that humbles himself before God and says that Your way, God, is right, not the world, and that I will lean into God and not into what my flesh and this world dictates that I should desire. The Bible says that when you have that attitude, Brianna, that God releases the grace or the empowerment to walk in freedom or deliverance from oppression and worldliness. God, oh Jesus. What 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 does this look like practically? This is the question you're asking me and I'm glad you asked. As we close today, it's very simple. Uh, James does not set you up to not give you clarity he gives you the goal, and then he gives you the way. This is how he This is how he wrote the whole book. Go, go, to, go to 7, verse 7. Get this in front of you. I don't want to leave you on this one. I want you to read this one with me. James 4, 7. Four, four, seven. I'm going to read it out loud, and because y'all got different versions, y'all read this out. That way we won't sound disorganized. Amen. <laughs> I'm in the new King James Version. He says here, he says, submit, therefore, therefore, now, now pause. Whenever you see a therefore, you got to find out what? What is it there for? I got good students that have been with me for a while. Whenever you see a therefore in the word, you want to know what is it there for? Because therefore always points back to whatever was said before. So just before he said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the who? Humble. Therefore. So that therefore then Teaches uh, is, is indicating to us that what comes after the therefore is a result of what was just said. God will resist people who are proud, but when you will humble yourself, and one scripture says under the mighty hand of God, when you will humble yourself, then God uh, will give you grace. Grace for what? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. My God, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I want to work with this for just a couple of minutes. Just, just, I mean, I mean, literally, it's not gonna take long because you're a swift class. James just gave us what could possibly be the most concise and complete plan for living a life of victory in the kingdom. In and in, in really, in like three verses, he gave you the secret, the secret code. If this was contra, he gave you the up, down, right, left. <laughs> He just showed you how to get thirty-five lives on contra right here in a couple of verses. He just gave it to you. It's right here in front of your eyes. He gave you. He gave you. 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 He gave you one, two, three, four, uh, six six, six steps. Six steps. Five steps. Five steps. Five steps to walking. Now watch this. I say walking in deliverance. Why? Why do I say walking in deliverance? Because. You, the, the church just, just help me the church has said to you that deliverance happens here right and they intended well they did because even we do deliverance here right but this is only a beginning process this is more like a springboard uh, this is more like uh, the, the starting line, not the finish line. Okay? And if you constantly run here as the only part of your deliverance, then you're always going to be here. But James said that's not how deliverance works in the fullness. He said in its fullness, number one, you got to submit yourself to God. You know, like that, this means you got to do what you got to obey God, Pastor Demi, fully. You got to submit your will to His will. You got to do what Paul said, Ronnie. You got to present your body a living sacrifice. You've got to submit your I can't submit you to God, she can't submit you to God. They uh, your wife, husband cannot submit you to God, wife, your husband. The other one can't do it for you uh, friend you can't submit your homeboy uh, sister girl you can't submit her no you can talk to you blue in the face so you can pray you can lay hands you can lather them down with oil and they'll never ash again and they still gotta submit themselves to God you gonna have to obey God you can't obey your thirst this ain't Sprite this is the kingdom You got to obey the Lord. This is, you can't, I can't, I got a lust demon. We cast the lust demon out of you. And then you go out of here and you still, you got to obey God. Number two, you got to resist the devil. You got to stand against your adversary. You got to stop being so weak every time temptation comes your way. You got to resist the temptation to sin when it comes your way. You got to fight against that thing. You got to resist your flesh and the desires that rise up in you. He said if you submit to God and then you'll resist the devil, guess what? He will flee. Some of y'all made him a rule. I like that kind of talk. <laughs> some of y'all told that joker, come on, stay a while. <laughs> I made the bed up for you. <laughs> Breakfast is at 8 a.m. <laughs> don't miss it. Some of, y'all, some of y'all are making room for the enemy instead of making him flee. And so where you keep coming. To the altar. You just keep coming right back here. And you want me to make him flee. You want her to make him flee. You want the pastors and the leaders to make him flee. And then what you do is you leave out of here and you say, oh, well, you need a ride home, don't you? <laughs> you, you cast we cast the joke out he here not hear something else, I don't know what I'm doing he well I can hear right my since we've been together so long but you gotta resist the devil watch this there is nothing I'll put this in your notes this should help you today there is nothing more terrifying to a demon than a fully submitted believer my god y'all don't like that kind of talk There is nothing more terrifying. There is no watch. This, this is another one, This for your nose. There is no place of comfort or rest for a demon in the presence of a fully submitted believer. If you can't get rid of the enemy, it's probably because you want to obey God. Because if you were fully submitted, they would move on and go mess with somebody else for a little while. Now they're gonna come back and try you again, but you gotta you gotta do the same thing again, don't you? You gotta submit to God, resist him, and he will flee. And I was thinking about this, and I and I thought about I thought about athletes. I, I don't know why I put that extra syllable in it. I, don't know, I, don't know I, feel. I thought about athletes and, and how they, they now I'm not an athlete, so I don't I don't even really watch anything but boxing consistently so other than boxing I'm not a good sports guy but I know that we got a coach in here too and some sports guys and they got this thing in sports called muscle memory don't they? I mean coach coach, coach L, what do they call you coach Thomas? Yeah. <laughs> coach, coach Hewitt Uh I they got muscle memory. They have it in driving, too. But this is my illustration. They're not yours. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. They have this thing called muscle memory, right? And it's like almost like if you, I think it's like when you race track and stuff, like when you hit a boom, pow. Like it's not. you don't think about it, but your kind of muscles is used to just snapping and going off. And, you know, and, and, but it takes time, right? You got to do it over and over. And over again. And you get this muscle memory. That's what what God began to share with me. He said, if people would submit to me and resist the devil more, it would become more like muscle memory. And then every time the sin or the temptation or the offense or the distraction came upon them, it wouldn't be such a hard thing to do anymore. Because boom, I just know when it comes on me, i got to obey God resist. Obey God resist. It don't matter what comes my way. It don't matter if it's my children, if it's my wife, if it's my husband, if it's my job, if it's that girl, if it's this sin, if it's this temptation, if it's this proclivity, I've got a muscle memory that says, boom, submit to God, resist to them. Wow. But some of us don't get the muscle memory because we're too lazy to do the work. But y'all don't like this kind of thing. This is why he says the next step is the work. He said you got to do what? Draw near to God. And God will draw what? near to you. This is this is another problem I have with people who say to me, I feel like I can't feel God. It seems like God is never there when I need him. I tell them all the time, but the truth is you watch too much Netflix. <laughs> the truth is you talk on the phone too much. The truth is you spend too much time on Facebook. And you don't draw near to God. God didn't say, I'll draw near to you, and then you draw near to me. You cannot have it your way. This is not your kingdom, it's his. He said, if you will come near to me, I will respond by coming near to you. So when you feel like God is far, you should not judge God. You should self-assess. Am I praying? Am I worshiping? Am I devote? Am I in devotion? Have I been meditating? Have I been coming to church? Have I been fellowshipping with the saints? Have I been doing those things that draw me near to God? Submit. Resist. Draw near. Last, I mean, next one, repent. He said, you got to lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. He doesn't mean be depressed when he's talking to his people who have become puffed up in their sin. And now you, you don't even take sin serious no more. You, you know, it is what it is. I'm only human. So now you live any kind of way you make excuse for. He said, don't do that. Instead, repent. Be mournful when you fall. Take it serious when you slip up. Take it serious when you intentionally sink, because some of y'all keep calling things slips, but you can't. You don't never know a plan to slip. You don't, Nobody don't have a, a, a plan. You ain't put a slip in your planner. You put that date with that joker you knew you was going to mess with in your whole planner. You got a shower and, and lashes, bath and body works. Homeboy, oh you was doing push-ups. Then y'all got together and played soft music and talking about where we slipped up. You didn't slip up. But there's, <laughs> but take it serious. <laughs> you have full intention to slip, to sin, not slip, sin. You might... <laughs> somebody cut you off a trap, you might slip and let one of the words go that you used to say now. I ain't saying that's okay. I'm saying that's a slip. But if you wrote the email uh, t- if you type the whole text <laughs> with curse words in the text and watch this and you try to use the exclamation and the dollar sign and the other thing to take out the letters in the curse and still send it with the first letter and the last letter you need to repent. <laughs> That's a cuss. I've been told some people stop even, just stop using substitute, substitution words. You get on my uh, 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 freaking Oh, oh, really? What's in your heart? Oh, I know what's in your heart. Okay, y'all want this kind of talk. You got to repent. Don't make an excuse for your sin. Be honest. This is what confession is. A lot of people think confession is just saying something. No, it's agreeing. It's saying my action is not right because, God, you said it's not. Not because I want it to be right. Now I'm going to find a way to reason it out. No, he says no. Instead, lament, mourn, be sad about that thing, and then turn to God with it, and don't don't turn away from God. Turn towards Him. Last step, he said, walk in humility. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. He really, he really, he really encases all the steps into one statement there, and he said, just get low before. Me. Come on, stand to your feet with me, and we're getting ready to go home. Stand to your feet with me. You want to know how to walk in deliverance? You want to know how to walk in freedom from oppression and from worldliness? You want to know how to get some peace in your home, in your relationships? You want to know how to get some peace on the job, how to be a better witness in the earth? You want to know how to do it? Submit yourself to God resist the devil, he'll flee, then you get repentant before the Lord. And you be honest with God and and you turn to him. Instead of turning away from God, you turn to God. You draw near to God. You spend time with him. This is what changes us. You get low before the Lord. You say like Jesus said in the garden of the Gethsemane, in the biggest moment of humility, knowing that he had the ability to stop what was about to happen. And he did not want to do what he had to do. But instead of him rising up like most of us do and figuring a way out, he said, no, God, not my will. Your will for my life be done. I, I I really want something different than I than I have right now. I, I really want this relationship. I really want this promotion. I, I really want this thing. I, I, I really desire this goal that I created for myself. And, but, but we got to get a nevertheless in our spirit because that's humility that says, God, I really want it. And I even saved up for it. And I, I put money away for it. Watch this shameless blood. I done saved up all my money. And now the Lord say, take all that money you saved and expand the city with it, you got to say, nevertheless, (laughs) not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I've had to learn to look at my children and say, nevertheless, I want to do it for you, but not my will, it's God's will be done. I want to let it go. I want to just make it easy for you, but it's nevertheless, not my will, but God's will be done. You got to look at your spouse sometimes and tell her, I really want to do it or tell him, I really want you to have it but nevertheless, it's not my will it's, it's God's will to humble yourself before the Lord and you'll spend more time with him out there than with us right here. At some point, the altar has to become a place of sacrifice for us. A place where we honor God, not just a place where we come to get another demon cast out of us or or to get free from another vice that we've allowed ourselves to get caught up in. At some point, this altar has to be what he meant it for, and that is for sacrifice and for worship and for honor. Which means you're going to have to learn to submit yourself to God when there is no church altar there for you. To resist the devil where there is no church altar or no preacher there to do it for you. And to draw near to him in your own time and to get repentant. Father, every head bowed, every eye closed. We pray today that this word has shifted the trajectory the lives of your people. We're dealing with so many issues and so many situations that we we need freedom from. So many things are oppressing us. Some of us are dealing with bad attitudes and anger and rage and others of us are dealing with loneliness and and the poor decisions we make as a result of it. Some of us are dealing with compromise and the things that we do to have what it is we desire. Others of us are dealing with pride and lust and rebellion, Father. And we want to be free. We want to be free, God. Help us to realize that freedom doesn't happen in a moment on a Sunday morning but that it happens in the moments and moments and moments and moments And every opportunity to submit ourselves to you, to resist the enemy, that he would flee from us, to repent before you, to draw near to you, to love you more than we love this fallen world, that that is where the victory lies. Convince our minds, God, shift our hearts, help us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that we would live out the trueness and the fullness of the relationship that you called us to so that we would have what is your best not what is the world's best Father we've been stuck between two opinions long enough you are God not Baal you are God not this world help us to worship you and not mammon help us to be committed to you above everything else God that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in our lives this day now and forevermore Lord continue to work on us shift us and change us make us and mold us God we want to be like you Jesus and I thank you Lord for what you've done today and what you're continuing to do thank you for your hand on this ministry thank you for the hands on the lives of your people thank you for your delivering power Jesus name it is so wicked